think this is, uh, I don't know. So the big question I've been asking myself like all week is, <clears throat> how did Moses have such a deep connection with the Father um, before Pentecost? You know? The Holy Spirit wasn't technically active in the Old Testament, right? And that's why that's why I I'm guilty of this, even shy away of talking about the Old Testament at all, and uh, why I why I shy away from it most of most of the time, and why most Christian churches shy away from talking about the Old Testament at all. It's like Holy Spirit wasn't active technically. But it's not like God was up in heaven and was like, okay, so now my people need to be saved, so I'll make Jesus. I mean, Jesus was all, all, all. I mean, he was already. Same with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just like, huh, maybe I should create somebody to help me and help my people. God didn't think that. He was already like, ah, this is what my people are going to need. So God was already there. But the Holy Spirit wasn't technically active. And it got me thinking of like, how did... How did Moses have such a deep connection with the Holy Spirit, and why am I not there? Because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and Moses did not have that. So, I don't know. I've been, I've been really struggling with this, and so it got me to read Moses, and that's where this this message come is coming from. And I I don't really think I fully understand how Moses had such a deep connection, because um, what you'll see is. In, in Exodus, that's like this, essentially the entire story of Moses is in Exodus and, and how, he, how he saves his people, essentially. Um, and yeah, we'll just dive into it. So in chapter 2, um, I'm going to focus mainly on chapter 3 and 4. Um, so chapter 2, here's just a brief summary. Moses was a, a Hebrew, and um, Egyptians didn't like the Hebrews. So Moses' mom actually hid him for three months. And, I mean, we all know this story, but we'll just recap it. And then three months was up, and she was like, I can't, I can't hold him back anymore. Um, I'm going to get killed, and he's going to get killed. So, um, like, I can't even imagine doing this as, a, as anybody, or especially as a mother. I know how much my mom cares about me, and especially as when I was a child. She was like, I'll do anything for him. Um, but she put him in a basket, sent him down the Nile River. Essentially a death wish. You know? Like, okay, either he's going to make it or he's going to die. Crazy. Essentially killing him. So, doesn't kill him. He wanders into, he or he floats into Pharaoh's majesty. His Pharaoh's mansion, if you will. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And Pharaoh's daughter essentially adopts him and just says, hey, I'm going to treat you as my own. And I'm going to be around you as my own. Um, and he finally grows up and walks into like the labor area where all the slaves and servants are, are working. And the Egyptians have their whips out and all that kind of stuff. And Moses is like, wow, I'm living in majesty, but my people are still suffering. And... Uh, saw his people just being brutally beat on while building mansions and whatever it might be. Um, then Pharaoh tried to kill Moses, so Moses had to run and r ran to Midian, right? And um, 
Then we get to Exodus 3, chapter 3, and I'm going to open up here. Um, and we encounter Moses' first like major encounter with the Lord. You know, he's, he's obviously had all the encounters because he survived in a basket floating down the Nile River. Um, he was raised in majesty, he, all of these things. And now God's appearing to him in a burning bush, um, which is insane. And if you ask some people, Moses was a nut job and why was he doing this and why was he talking to a bush? It wasn't on fire. He was just out of his mind, but a word. Okay, so um, Exodus three eleven through 14 says, But Moses said to God, um, hold on, where are we at? So Moses is having this conversation with a burning bush. Okay, this is where I'm going to pick up. Moses, uh, Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that is, I have sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Uh, then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to him, God? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the, to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me. What a weird way to say it. You know? I am. I will be with you because I am. Like, what? This will be a sign that I am with you because I am. I am who I am. I don't know. I will worship, you will worship me because I am. Like, that's, that's big. I, I mean, as I'm talking through this, it reminds me of like Spy Kids. Yeah, have you guys ever seen Spy Kids? Yes. Where he just says, I am, you know? And he's the, they, they reach the end or, or whatever it is, and, and he just says, I am. and he, Or he, he's the chosen one, or whatever it is. That's the same kind of like weight that holds, of like, I am. What else do you need to know? I am everything. Fill in the blank, that's what I am. Everything good, I guess. Fill in the blank, that's everything good, that's what I am. That's incredible. That's like us going to our, our worst enemy, the person who continually picks on us and continually steals from us like the, the Egyptians were from the Hebrews um, and saying, hey, I, I'm going to take my people back or I'm going to take my lunch money back. And they say, why? And all you say is, I am. It's like I would kind of look at that person a little weird. Like, what? I am? <laughs> Like, okay, what do you, I don't get it. So I just thought that was a little weird. But what sticks out to me, um, and God really sticks to his guns here, and in verses 15 through 22, um, what is, yeah, you can read it on your own time. 15 through 22 is what Moses is going to say to Pharaoh. It's like all of that. And it's just like, hey, this is what I'm going to do, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. And 
this is where I want to get the entire time. So Exodus 4, this is where it gets really cool. Um, and this is where this is where I'm going to be headed the entire time. So Exodus 4, 1 through 2 is, Then Mo- Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A staff. And how I envision that is like the way Moses answered that. It's probably like a staff. Like, stay on topic, God. I mean, we're talking about well, what? how are they going to believe me? And you're like, what's in your hand, Moses? What's going on? What do you have there? And like, God's kind of like out there loopy almost is what I kind of read into this. Is like, we're talking about something much greater, God. Can we just focus on that? And he asks, what's in your hand? And God just says, and Moses says, a staff. It's just bizarre to me. Exodus 4, 3 through 4. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. I would have fled from it too, right? If my stick that I was just holding, and I put on the ground, and then it turns into a snake, I probably would recoil a little bit too. As we'll read on, verse 4. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand again. So the crazy thing about this is, like I said before, Moses fled right away, like anybody would do, unless you're like that crikey guy. What's the Australian guy's name? Steve, uh, Steve Irwin. He would have been like, Oh, cool, man. But. Nobody else would have done that. Everybody else would have went back and be like, ah, snake. But the cool part about it is God says, hey, just go pick it back up. Grab it by its tail. And Moses is like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) That's like I envision me and my buddies sitting around a table and they're like, oh, that was so gross. And they're like, oh, try it. (laughs) Like, no, I don't want to try it. They're like, do it. Come on, just try it. I'm like, no. And finally they say, do it. And I'm like, all right, fine. That's kind of the same kind of language that I'm reading into this. It's just like, God's like, eh, go go pick up that snake by its tail. Which, if you know snakes, is a bad idea, right? If you pick up a snake by its tail, it's got a lot of, I mean, it could bite anything. I mean, it can't bite your hand, but it can bite your legs or anything else so it's not a good idea you usually grab a snake by its head i didn't know this i looked into it but you never grab a snake by its tail it's like a death wish it's like oh light a match next to gasoline and nothing's gonna happen that's the same kind of thing you're just waiting for that that's something to happen so he he essentially says god all right fine i'll grab by its tail and he does it turns back into a stick or a staff Then we read on in uh, 5 and 6. Um, then it became a staff in his hand. And the Lord furthermore said to him, Now put your hand on your bosom. So Moses put his hand on his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. Right? The skin disease. And then he said, Put your hand back on, into your bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again again. 
and then he took it out of his bosom and it was just restored like nothing ever happened. So, can you imagine if this was happening? Like, oh, I'm holding a staff. What's in your hand? A staff. And throw it on the ground. Blah. It's a snake. Oh, grab it. No, it's a staff again. Now put your hand in and now it's going to be diseased. And now put it back in and now it's going to be fine. Like, that's amazing. How did Moses have this deep connection with the Father? It's pretty cool to me. Um, so the thing I want to focus on is is what what God is saying when he says, what is in your hand? Because there's some significance behind this, and I, we'll see if I discovered it. But when God says, what's in your hand, that means he's already holding it. He's already possessing it. He's already got it. It's in his, it's with him. It's not away from him. It's not something he has to go after. So sometimes we pray over and over for God to give us something in a season. You know, we pray so hard. Like, God, just give me this. Give me this. I I want this and I need this for breakthrough. But if we know the end of the story in Moses, I mean, he split the sea with that staff. He already possessed it. But let's jump to Exodus 14. Exodus 14. um, Where do I? Where did I want to pick up? Okay, Exodus 14:12. It reads, "Um, "It was. Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? These are the people he's trying to lead out of Egypt, right? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So they've made it this far. What's happened up till this point? There's been all the plagues and all the stuff. And now they are at the river, right? That Moses will part at the end of the story. They're at the river. All of his people behind Moses are like, oh, thanks, Moses. You led us here to die. We should have just been working for the Egyptians. At least we'd be alive kind of thing, right? And before they finish, as the movie's playing in my head, before they finish, Moses says in verse 13, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Before he knew it was going to happen. I mean, Moses was at a, like, oh crap, we ran into a river. And he turns to his people who are griping and says, do not fear. Everything's fine. The Lord's going to take care of us. It's going to be great. That's what he says. What a faith, right? Can you imagine? Not knowing what's going to happen next, but you're like, ah, everybody, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And then 14 through 15, Moses prays, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The Lord, that's what he's praying to with his people, with to the to the Lord, to everything that he's got. The Lord will fight for us. That's what he's crying out. And the Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? That's kind of weird, right? Like, why, what? You already know what you're supposed to do. And the Lord has to remind him again, saying, hey, what's in your hand at the end of this 
chapter. What's in your hand? You know, sometimes we we rely, and I'll be careful with the with the way I say this. We rely almost too much on prayer. You know. Um, sometimes the Lord's like, "Why are you crying out to me? You already know what you're supposed to do. You already possess what it's what you're supposed to be doing. The staff was in his possession, but he forgets. He forgot what was promised to him back." Eleven chapters ago, and a lot happened between here and here. You know, that's wild to me. The Lord showed him breakthrough through the staff in chapter three. Now we're in chapter fourteen, and he's like, "What's in your hand again?" <laughs> he showed Moses the staff, the same way he showed you something a long time ago, and you're on the brink of seeing what it was for. He showed us something a long time ago. And is showing us what it's for. You know, just thinking of my life of like, okay, Lord, what have you done in my life? You know, okay, so I grew up in the church. I was a train wreck. Uh, didn't work. I was just a mess. And then I met you in a powerful way. And then you threw me into ministry, into leading adults. And then you threw me into singing which I had no desire to do. Then you threw me into youth ministry, which I had no desire to do. Then you threw me into worship again, which I had no desire to do. And over and over and over and over again, what were you trying to prove to me? What were you showing me in those times that you, that you gifted to me in the first place? If we believe that everything good comes from God, then the staff must have been a plant from God, right? Obviously, if everything comes from God, just like our finances or a roof over our head, if everything is God-breathed, then the staff was God-breathed in Moses' life. And then he possessed it, and the breakthrough happened when he set it into the ground and said, part. So you know the story of the sea divided, you know, right when he put that staff down, the sea divided, everything good passed through. All the all all the confidence, all the all the self worth, all all the boldness passed through. While when everybody when all the other crap was chasing after you, the fear, the stress, the doubt, the crap was chasing after you, it got washed away in the water. And the living water it washed it away. It's pretty cool, right? So we just have to discover what, what we already possess. And what, what we're on the brink of. Because I feel like we're on the brink of something. You know? We're almost, we're almost like we're pressed up against that glass ceiling. All we need to do is just flick it one more time. And then it'll shatter and then we'll see something awesome. And I, I just think that's where we're at. I think that's where you are at. I think that's where you are at. I think that's where I'm at. We're on the brink of something awesome. And we already possess to make it even more awesome with the Lord's help. So that's what I've got. That's good.